Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. I promise you, it's a good read. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively, involving the NBA. And that is here. What a fascinating game we had in Game 5 between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. And no, I am not being facetious. Yes, the Suns trucked the Lakers without Anthony Davis and without much of Contavious Caldwell Pope, 115-85. to 85. But it gave me an opportunity to watch LeBron James in a way that I normally can't because it's been a while since we've seen him isolated or playing with so little of a supporting cast. And I was really fascinated or interested to find out exactly how he would approach this game. And so I was following, first of all, those who were telling me that, well, LeBron doesn't like Jay Crowder talking trash and LeBron James's thing about these shoulders are made for this and all that. I, I knew that he was not going to come out and go to the wall to win this game. Uh, It's just not in his nature. So the question was, how was he going to approach it? And how was he going to make it look palatable for all those who love LeBron and would be disappointed if he didn't show up? And indeed, he found a way to make it look as if he did or as if He gave it some sort of an effort. This is the secret behind LeBron's longevity, I believe, is that he makes business decisions. We've we've seen it. We call it making a business decision when guys coming in for a dunk and a defender has a choice. Do I go up and try to defend it and potentially get posterized or do I just duck out of the frame and allow him to have an uncontested dunk? It's called a business decision. 
Hoopers out there know exactly what I'm talking about. LeBron makes these business decisions on a regular basis, and it's what is so unique about him in comparison to all the, the all-time greats. I'll never forget Kobe Bryant, the year that the Lakers lost to the Boston Celtics in the finals. And the last game, game six, I believe, in Boston. And Kobe went to the wall trying to win that game, trying to single-handedly win that game. I think they got run by 30. I could go back and look at it, but the point is, I'll just never, I'll never forget being there and seeing him just exhaust himself for something that had little chance of happening. I always think of Tom Hanks on the bridge in Saving Private Ryan when the tank is rolling toward the bridge and he's trying to defend it and all he's got is his sidearm. He's got a pistol and he's wounded and he's just kind of randomly shooting this pistol at this tank and uh, to no effect, but is just not going to give in. That's what Kobe, that's what Kobe looked like in many ways against the Celtics. That was the game where Kevin Garnett famously, infamously shouted afterward, anything is possible, screwing up the Adidas slogan. But I digress. LeBron James is not like that. And I believe that it is at least one of the secrets. Obviously, he spends a lot of time on his, on his body, re- rehabilitating it, therapy, training, you name it, and does a great job of keeping himself in shape, obviously. But it's also, he doesn't waste efforts on causes that he thinks are lost. And this was a perfect example tonight. And it really is, when you, when you hear players talk about his genius, there is a genius in manipulating the game the way that he does. So here's how he did it in Game 5 against the Suns. Not surprisingly, first quarter with Anthony Davis out, his usage rate was 38.6% in the first quarter. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with usage rate, it's basically the percentage of plays that are run for a particular player. 38.6 is really high. LeBron's career high for an entire postseason is 37.6, which he did back in 2015. Luka Doncic led the regular season in usage rate for all players with 36. LeBron, if I'm not mistaken, had a usage rate during the regular season of about 31. Through the first four games of this series, it was at 28. Bottom line is, he came out, he was involved in everything. But in a very strategic way, watching... What I was really interested in is to see how many times he was operating below the free throw line. That requires posting up. That requires working your way down there. It takes a lot of extra energy to operate below the free throw line and and be a playmaker from there as opposed to standing at the top of the three-point arc and just looking for cutters, swinging the ball, doing whatever. It means less energy getting back on defense, and it's essentially like being a quarterback standing in the pocket. LeBron averaged about two above the free throw line for every one below it. As far as creating space for shooters, working below the free throw line is going to create 
more time and space for them to get off shots, particularly if you're dealing with someone like Wes Matthews who really can't move or create his own shot off the dribble. You need to give him as much time and space as you can for him to do what he does best, which is launch threes. LeBron clearly wasn't interested in working as hard as he would have to in order to operate below the free throw line every single possession. And in one hand, on one hand, I, I get it. If you're looking at it and saying, well, I'm probably going to have to play 40 plus minutes without Anthony Davis. So I need to conserve some energy here. I get that part of it, except if the game is starting to get away from you. And then a star player has no choice. You've seen it with Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, obviously Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. If the game is starting to get away, they don't look to somebody else or continue to operate the same way. They expend as much energy as possible in order to keep their team in it and then figure out or, or assume somewhere down the line they'll get a breather or they'll find a way to, to get a break. But you don't want to lose the game in the first half. Now, what was really fascinating is end of the first quarter, the Lakers are only down eight in spite of the fact that Devin Booker is obviously on one. Cameron Payne is ready to go off on one. The Suns are clicking and they're getting to the cup. And it's clear that they are going, they're going to be very difficult to stop. It's at that point, down by eight, going into the second quarter, LeBron James decided to pull the plug. Now, he still played nine minutes in the second quarter. But his usage rate went from 38.6 to 19.9%. Now, there, you'd say, who? okay, so who was running the show? I don't know. Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, wasn't LeBron James. Down by eight. And the next thing we know, they're down by 30 at halftime. And LeBron has taken all of three shots in nine minutes in the second quarter. Now that left him with a box score that wasn't all that attractive. Seven points, five assists, four rebounds, seven points on three for 10 shooting. That's not going to look good. So down by 30, third quarter, game's out of hand. Game's over. LeBron comes out and starts raining pull-up threes. I mean, if you're going to attack the rim, that's energy. If we can just get some threes to drop, yeah, we're not going to win the game, but we can polish up that box score so that anyone looking at it the next day who didn't watch the game or didn't really pay attention to the game would say, well, LeBron did his part. He just didn't have enough help. And sure enough, Rain in the threes. LeBron hits five of seven. Now, I also believe that he was looking at it thinking, well, I'm probably not going to play the fourth quarter. I mean, what's the point of playing the fourth quarter? Frank's probably not going to let me play the fourth quarter. That's Frank Vogel, the head coach. So let me just get this in now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Add 17 points in the third quarter after going scoreless in the second. Finishes with a decent box score of 24 points on 9 of 19 shooting, I think. 6 for 10 from threes. 7 assists. I mean, not a great box score by LeBron standards, but certainly looking at a team that only scored 85 points, what would you say? LeBron did his part. Just didn't get enough help. Sure enough, with a couple seconds left in the third quarter, he signals to Frank, pull me. Then kind of waves it off. Hey, that wouldn't look good if I'm deciding to take a powder. Gets pulled. End of the night for LeBron. Now, there's one element to that box score that is hard to ignore and is a reflection of the fact that while the offensive numbers might have looked decent, the defense or lack thereof that LeBron played in Game 5 was astonishing. When he was guarding Jay Crowder on the weak side, he was in no man's land. And when the ball swung to Jay Crowder, he remained in no man's land. Halfway between the basket and the three-point line where Jay was spotted up to take one of his nine three-point attempts, making three of them. Not a great percentage, but a little bit easier when you're wide open. It's really no surprise that in 32 minutes, LeBron had no steals or blocked shots. He wasn't close enough to anybody to get that done. Finally, just in case you had any doubt that LeBron James gets to do whatever LeBron James wants to do, he walked off and headed to the locker room with almost six minutes still left to play in the game. This is why when people talk about LeBron's leadership, I can't help but roll my eyes. If you're a leader, you don't lead some of the time. You don't lead when it's easy or when it's good. You lead when it's hard. This reminds me of, it was game three, and there's some 30 seconds left. And the Lakers are up by seven, and the game is essentially over. And LeBron is as animated as he's been all series long. Talking to Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Dennis Schroeder and, and gesticulating at everyone to keep them locked in in these final seconds. And I knew, as I'm sure LeBron did, how the broadcasters were going to play it. Oh, look at LeBron coaching his team to the very end, making sure that they're staying locked in. And I'm thinking, okay, so where was that energy in game one when they were struggling? And I thought of it again in game four. And now in game five, the man looked like he'd seen a ghost. He wasn't coaching anybody up. He wasn't trying to get anybody going. Anthony Davis, for God's sake, who is not a leader by any stretch, is the one who has to get after the team in the huddle and say, hey, let's not let Cameron Payne, of all people, beat us. Where was LeBron? Where did we see that energy? Where did we see that animation? We didn't see any of it because he was making a business decision. 
this game was not worth his time. Now, God bless Grant Hill, broadcaster on tonight's, earlier tonight on the game, because in his way, he was harping on the same things that I was seeing. I wish that LeBron was a little more aggressive. I wish that LeBron was posting up more. These are all things that Grant was saying. And I was nodding, saying, yep, you're right. But that's not what this is about for LeBron. Yes, that's how he should have played if he had hoped to win. If he thought they could win. Now, some of LeBron's supporters in the media said before this game, that however this game went, it would not be a reflection on LeBron's legacy. And I kind of chuckled at that because I'm thinking, so you guys know what's coming, don't you? You know we're not going to get an all-time effort. You know what this is going to be. So let's get ahead of the curve and say, hey, don't judge him by this. And honestly, I'm not. I agree with the idea that it's not going to change his legacy. But it's because of this. This has always been part of his legacy. This willingness to flip the switch off when he feels like the supreme effort is not worth it on his part. I honestly don't know how he does it. I, the all-time greats, I'm not sure Michael Jordan has ever been able to turn that switch off. Kobe Bryant went for 60 in his final game. In his final game, a meaningless game. LeBron James just played a pivotal game five against the Phoenix Suns as the defending champion and scored 24 points and posted a plus minus of minus 24. The worst on the team. All right, before I go, I just want to touch upon the performance of Damian Lillard Losing in double overtime, dragging the Portland Trailblazers to a double overtime loss against the Denver Nuggets. I was heartsick for Damian, in part because my son is a big Blazers and Damian Lillard fan, in part because he did everything you could possibly ask a guy to do, scoring 55, setting a playoff NBA playoff record of 12 threes, some of them from the logo. And it got me to thinking, because obviously a performance like that, a shooting performance like that, a scoring performance like that, can't help but draw comparisons to Steph Curry. And what the Blazers have been looking for, for years, for at least least the last six, seven years, is a playmaking forward. And they thought Evan Turner, that's why they spent so much on Evan Turner, they thought he might be that, he wasn't. Uh, They just haven't been able to find one. And... I started to think about what Steph has in Draymond Green. And I dare say that if you gave the Blazers Draymond Green, even this version of Draymond Green, not vintage Draymond of four years ago, but this Draymond, the Portland Trail Blazers would be infinitely better than they are. First of all, you'd have a quarterback on defense, and I assure you that if Draymond Green was on the Blazers, they would not be finishing 29th in defensive rating as they did this year. And you would also have a playmaker. I think about all of the plays that that Draymond creates for Steph, where Steph just has to run off the ball. It still takes energy, still takes nuance, still takes skill, 
but it's a little bit different than having to create your own, especially if you're shooting from 25, 30 feet. I would love to see Damien with Draymond Green and to see what he would be capable of doing if he had a playmaker, a distributor, a facilitator like that next to him. He's never had that. And I'm not saying that to take anything away from what Steph has accomplished. He's obviously accomplished far more than Damien. I'm just saying he's got a running mate next to him that does a lot of things that takes some of the things off his plate that remain very much on Damien's. All right. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Looks as if the Sixers will have to play the Wizards in their Game 5 without Joel Embiid, which means the first game of the Wednesday slate should be worth checking out. But after that, probably have to wait until the nightcap between the Dallas Mavericks and the LA Clippers to see if the Clippers really have turned the corner and are going to make short work of these Dallas Mavericks. There is nothing about the Clippers at this point that I can trust. So I will be watching with interest. And we'll talk about it right here. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns